Welcome back, everybody, to the Fantasy Golf Bag Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Matthews, and this week we are previewing the 2021 WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Uh, last week was the Olympics, and uh, congratulations to Xander Shoffley, who won another no-cut limited field event. Kudos to him for the gold medal and no paycheck. But uh, this week we'll be we'll be talking a little bit about the St. Jude Invitational. He got moved here um, for this specific tournament. Got moved here in 2019. Um, and it's been played, so it's been played twice here. Brooks Kepka won in 2019 uh, at 16 under par, and Justin Thomas won it last year at 13 under par. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about the golf course and um, some plays and some fantasy golf bag goodies. But uh, yeah, I think the first thing I'll I'll talk about is what is up on fantasygolfbag.com right now. Um, obviously, with the the PGA DFS stuff that I'm, I'm trying to build back up a little bit with FGB. Um, you can find the PGA DFS rankings that I build. Um, they get tweaked throughout the week, kind of depends on ownership. I, I probably don't touch it after Tuesday. Um, if I do, it's just kind of in my head. But you can find them usually Monday afternoon all the way up until till lock, uh, through the weekend until next week when I uh, refresh them. So if you go to fantasygolfbag.com, you can find the PGA DFS rankings that I have for both DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, with those, again, they're completely free. Everything on the website's free. Um, you get the salaries, the projections, fantasy point projections. Take those with a grain of salt again because with you know this week, it's actually no cut, so it's probably a little bit more accurate. Um, but in most weeks, again, with, with four rounds and a two-round cut, just projections can be just crazy off depending on if like you jammed in a bunch of good values and two of them missed the cut. I mean, you're, you're just drawn dead. So uh, take the projections with a grain of salt, but the rankings I really do like, and I pay much more attention to them. Um, and then projected ownership is included, and that is it. So again, DraftKings, FanDuel, you can find both of those. Uh, I tried to make it as user-friendly as possible. It's definitely not like the old FGB tools, but uh, there's some sliders on there, some filters. Uh, you can copy them, copy the tables, download the tables, whatever you want to do. Again, it's it's kind of your call and how you want to use them. Um, but hopefully that helps. The uh, The Slack chat's back open. So if you go to the website, you can see a little link on the right-hand side in the sidebar. So you can click that and join our Slack chat. Um, already been chatting a bit with Crack Drafter. He's got me on some KH. Lee wants me to look into his TPC history. So we'll talk about that. Um, and then the latest article I have is the top five golf stretches for your warm up. Again, a lot of FGV stuff that I'm doing is related to real golf. Um, so my, my history in golf and mobility and stuff, obviously I've, I've had a lot of surgeries and that's what drew me away from playing professionally for longer than a, about a year and a half or two years. Um, I've had two knee surgeries four or sorry, three shoulder surgeries and then an elbow surgery. Um, and it, it took me until really the last couple years to realize mobility isn't necessarily for uh, you to swing it better hit it further a lot of it's just injury prevention and I think when you're young you can get away with those uh, limitations in your flexibility Um, flexibility mobility kind of the same thing but it's as as you get older you realize the limitations from a flexibility or mobility standpoint actually lead to more aches and pains and injuries so I take a little bit more. I mean, I'm not. I don't stretch for hours a day. I don't do yoga or any, yoga or any of that stuff. But 
Uh, I do think mobility is very important, and you only it only takes 10, 15 minutes. You could you could probably jam it into like five or six minutes to be honest, but you know, 10, 15 minutes a day, every other day, whatever you want to do, just helps, especially on golf. In golf, with it being so demanding on your spine and your hips and your knees, especially your shoulders. Um, so you can read that again. I, I have some some of my own advice and in, in my kind of retrospection of shoulder injuries. So I have some some products you can purchase. Again, there's no affiliate links to me. It's just what I recommend. So like if you click it, it just goes to their website. Um, and then obviously the pre-round stretches and then a couple more products of just if you want to add some flexibility or some speed. Uh, I, I added the Theragun in there. I, I use that. It's 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 nice. I mean, it it's a little bit expensive, but for uh, for what it accomplishes, if you're actually working out too, especially if you work out, you know, you get sore a little bit. That, that helps. If you're just playing golf, you're not going to be necessarily sore. But if you're tight in certain areas because you sit all day, you know, your back gets tight, it does provide some relief. So go read that article. Um, you can find that on the homepage at fantasygolfbank.com. Um, yeah, so you got that. I'll have another article out this weekend or on Monday talking about some new golf shoes that I am trying out and testing, which I so far really love. And the green reading book video is due to be out. I plan to go to the golf course this weekend. So um, the specific golf course for this green reading book. So we'll hopefully have that out by uh, the end of the weekend. Uh, Slack chat is up, so you can check that out. And uh, I think that I think that does it. So we can dive right in, guys. So this week is the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Again, it's a limited field event, 66 players in the field. Uh, similar to last week, it was 59 players. Obviously a stronger field <laughs> with the full PGA Tour. Invitational field is going to be stronger than the Olympic field. Um, it's a par 70, 7,200 yards. Uh, good bit of water. Water comes into play on 11 holes. Uh, Bermuda... Champion Bermuda greens, which are really nice. They're not like normal Bermuda with a lot of grain. It's it's definitely minimized. Uh, so take that for what it's worth. Again, I don't I don't really dive into splits too much. If there's someone that I'm on the fence about, I, I dive into it more. But for the most part, I try to take a larger picture for uh, for guys putting splits. Uh, Zoysia tees and fairways, and uh, rough is going to be Bermuda. So. Like I said, this course has been played the last two years for this specific stroke play event. Um, and that was Justin Thomas winning and Brooks Kepka winning. Obviously a strong field. So the, the main thing I look for there is they're shooting about, um, you know, four under par, three to four under par per round. Uh, so birdie or better you can look at. Um, bogey avoidance depends, I think. Uh, if you have a weighted bogey avoidance, that's probably the better... The better metric again it's a strong field so i didn't look into that too much i really looked at recent form and that's kind of what my rankings represent on fantasy golf bag so if you pull up my rankings i'll kind of walk through my players that um, stand out to me and that's really what i used is just kind of a little bit of the last two years history it's weighed very small um Mostly is going to be you know the last three months and the last couple rounds, last eight rounds of data, trying to see which guys are actually playing really well at the time. Um, with some of these guys playing over there in the British Open and the European Tour right before the British Open, and then obviously the Olympics, some of this data can be skewed for depending on how guys 
work during the their two-week break or three-week break, whatever it was. But yeah, let's go ahead and dive into it. So um, on DK, we have Colin Morikawa starting off at 11,000, Xander Shoffley at 10.8 off of his Olympic gold medal, Brooks Kepka 10.6, Jordan Spieth 10.4, DJ at 10.2, and Rory McIlroy at 10,000 even. If you look through my rankings, Xander really gets a bump down, um, and that's that's really how he is most of the year. Like I'll play him in certain events when he's cheaper. I certainly am not playing him at 10.8. Um, if you want to take an extra narrative of going to Tokyo, playing and winning, and then coming back to America, I mean, all, all the power to you. For me, if I'm really being cut and dry, he just he doesn't check enough boxes when he's this high priced. He checks more boxes if he was like for his rating in my in my table, if he was 90 9700 or cheaper, 9500 or cheaper, he would be in play for sure. But at this tier, I mean, Colin Morikawa obviously if you want to pay up is has been playing great all year, two majors in the last uh, 12 months. Brooks Kepka obviously has won here in the past. Jordan Spieth's been playing great. I'm actually surprised his rating is as high as it is. It's just he just he's been playing really well. Um, probably won't get there at 10-4. DJ's been playing better, so I do like DJ at 10-2 and Rory at 10K. Um, for me, I really do like Brooks and I do like DJ at 10-2 and 10-6. So when you look at the the player pool, especially on a limited field, uh, no cut event, I, I want to kind of build balance as much as I can. And Brooks Kepka leaves me a little bit of salary off Morikawa. And again, it's so small when you look at it up the up at the top. But when you think about four hundred dollars down at seven thousand or sixty eight hundred, um, it can make a big difference between two players, depending on how you feel and how your how your rankings grade out. But for me, uh, yeah, I think I'll just stick with Brooks Kepka and DJ over ten K. Those would be my two main choices. I don't really see a path to playing multiple 10K guys this week. You, I mean, unless you're building 150 and getting weird with some of these 6K guys. Um, I just, I looking at the leaderboard, I mean, you can go pull the leaderboards up for the last couple of years. I mean, it's a WGC, so there's some, some European tour guys, some internationals that do play. But when you look at the top of the leaderboard, you know, outside of Tom Lewis, I think last year, there's really nobody in the top... 20 yeah i'd say no one in the top 20 that really looks out of place tom lewis finished t2 and looked out of place um he shot nine under in the third round so that's probably definitely an outlier performance from him if you look at the year that brooks won there is nobody and i don't have world ranking world rankings up for this particular tournament but there's nobody that really stands out as like a crazy Aaron Ray. He finished T12. Um, that's it. <laughs> Everybody else would be, you know, a top 40 player on the PGA Tour inside the top 20. So maybe one guy in the low sixes that could, you know, crack a top 10. It's just tough to really nail that and then nail it, you know, the two expensive guys and then blend in the middle. So again, I, I usually try to go balance in these type of fields. And uh, Brooks Kepka DJ would be my leans here. Um, going down in the 9K range, Victor Hovland continues to grade out well. It doesn't matter if he plays poorly or wins. I'll keep going back to Hovland. It's he's just a phenomenal ball striker. I mean, that's that's really the case. It's really hard to look away from how good his ball striking stats are uh, over the last 
24 rounds, he's gaining about a stroke and a half ball striking. And that is one over one and a half strokes. Uh, yeah, that's almost one and a half strokes better than than the other guys in the 9K range. So, Or over half a stroke better, I should say, than some of the guys in the 9K range. So Victor Hovland is up there. Louis Oosthuizen, I'll keep kind of pumping the brakes a bit on him. I mean, he's been playing so well. He, You should probably have exposure to him. But what I do with Louis is he usually peaks is the wrong word. He doesn't peak necessarily, but he does play well in certain events. He carries it forward for a couple weeks, and then he starts to kind of flatten out, or he just, from the travel, whatever it is, he starts to die out a little bit. So Louis is totally fine. He grades out really well. I think he is, I think, third. He's got to be like third in my rankings. But uh, again, try to take some feel to this with uh, you guys' schedules and how they've been playing, how they historically play for how long. Yeah, Louis is uh, T2 behind Harris English, which we'll get to here in a minute. So yeah, Louis Oosthuizen grades out fine. But again, I, I personally, I take a a more tentative approach to Louis. And I you know try to time him around big events when he's playing well. And then after that, I usually pump the brakes and uh, let people chase. So like right now he's, he's going to get about 15% ownership, which is quite a bit in my mind. Um, outside of that in the nine K range, Hideki played really well last week. I like Hideki again here. Um, Greg Ballstriker, obviously. And then let's see Daniel Berger, Berger season will continue. And then Scotty Scheffler. I do like at 9,100 flat. Uh, Casey's fine. Patrick Cantley's fine. You can see they all kind of grade out similarly, but I, I try to pick a couple guys if I'm only going to build a few lineups this week in a limited field. All right, let's go down to the 8Ks and then the 7Ks. We'll try to, again, try to keep these podcasts short. I know you guys are busy listening to a million other shows, doing your own research, have families, etc. So let's see, 8K range. Uh, Abraham Answer, 8,300. I do like him quite a bit. I was kind of torn between him and Neiman. Neiman's ranking isn't very good so like right off the bat you could just kind of cross Neiman out if you're just looking at the pure rankings but I some of these guys and I'm sure many of you are in the same boat you'll you know the guy is good and no matter how bad he's been playing if he gets priced down enough you'll start to kind of take some stabs or if his ownership's low enough you'll start to take some stabs Neiman's been that way for me since pretty much the the British Open um I was a little bit hesitant off of how he played at the Olympics and with the travel. So I, I would rather just go to answer. I feel like answer is just, I mean, he's in the same travel ballpark in, in terms of going over there and coming back, but he's been definitely trending in the right direction prior to the British open. Um, so answer would be my, my top play there. Shane Lowry grades out. Well, I'm not too, too excited to play him. I would much rather go up to Fitzpatrick who, who grades out a little bit lower, but man, Fitzpatrick is just, He's big in these mini tournaments, like many, many major tournaments. Um, and he's actually played really well here in the past. So he finished T4 um, back in 2019, and then he finished T6 in 2020. So he's got the course history on his side. And like I said, he just plays really well in these bigger, stronger field events, like the API, and even longer courses. I mean, this course is not short, and it's a par 70, and he still plays really well. He's almost kind of the... He's almost the opposite. Like if you want to play somebody on long, tough golf courses, you could you talk about Brooks and DJ and all the long guys. 
Fitzpatrick kind of fits the mold in terms of how he plays these longer, tougher golf courses. The scoring's not going to get away from him. Again, if he shoots 12 to 15 under par for the four days, he is right there in it. Um, Fitzpatrick, definitely one of my favorite plays in the 8K range. All right, let's hop down into the 7K range where Harris English is popping for, I assume for everybody, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, But for us, he is... Let's see, 85th. He has a ranking of 85th, coming off a win at the Travelers. He played the British Open, played fine. He finished 46th, a third place of the U.S. Open. So comes into this week with a, a really good, strong recent form. I mean, he's he's got obviously he's got some of the strongest recent form because his ranking is so high, and I used a lot of recent form uh, data. But he's played really well. Um, in WGC events in the past. So when you're talking about a guy that's, I, I guess you could say he's discounted at least based on my rankings. Like, I mean, he's $500 cheaper than I would probably peg him. Um, I really, I, I do like Harris English there. He's going to be 14% owned. I think that's fairly reasonable for a mid mid 7K guy. Um, Jason Kokrak, I've been playing quite a bit. 7,800 for him. He grades out well. I like him a decent amount. Uh, Terrell Hatton has just been struggling and Sergio Garcia has kind of been, I, I, I really have a tough time pegging what, what Sergio is doing. Um, been playing him quite a bit. His ball striking is there. His, his first round scoring has been out of this world. And then he just spits the bit on, he kind of does okay on Friday and then spits the bit Saturday and then certainly Sunday. I'll probably give him another, another chance this week at 7,300. Again, you kind of got to pick your spots a little bit. So Sergio Garcia is totally fine. Brian Harmon, 7,500. I do like him here. I've um, been playing well all year, and I just I got tired of kind of playing the Louis Oosthuizen angle of, okay, yeah, he's going to play well for a couple weeks, and then he's definitely going to flatten out or regress to Brian Harmon levels, and he hasn't. So I'll take some Brian Harmon, um, 7,500 for him. And then there at the very bottom of this range, uh, I would probably go, I, I, I kind of want to be early, but it, it's just, it sounds awful to say, but Justin Rose at 7,000, I've been playing. And uh, again, 7,000 for Justin Rose, he's, he's guaranteed to play four rounds, sans a withdrawal. So yeah, Justin Rose at 7,000, which his ownership would be lower. And I'm kind of curious where ownership shakes out. It's it's so flat throughout this like seven k like low eights into the low sevens. Um, it's got to. I just have to imagine someone's going to get more ownership than what we're projecting. So right now he is projected for nine percent ownership. Seven, the range is seven to nine, so we'll say nine. Um, I don't know. It's again you. Limited field, you know everyone's kind of looking at the same guys. Try to be early on someone that's just been awful. Um, some of these other guys have been good and bad. So like a Billy Horschel, Mark Leishman. Le- like Leishman should get some ownership. He's just so up and down. People just tend to play him. Um, and I think that pretty much does it for the, the 7K range. And then out of the final range, then we'll talk a little bit about the Olympics um, before we close it out in this show. We are at 20 minutes, so perfect. Um, the 6K range, uh, Ryan Palmer, 6,500. 
is fine. Um, Cameron Champ is a real question mark. So 6,700 for Cameron Champ off of a win. Uh, if we were looking at how he was trending into the last tournament that he won, and you exclude him winning, just say he finished top 10, I feel like he would be either higher priced. I don't know how he could be higher priced with a win because I feel like the algorithm doesn't, it has to take that into account. He would certainly be higher owned. So a 9% ownership at 6,700 off of a win, um, I just, I don't, I don't get that. So I'll probably have some shares of Cameron Champ. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, if, if you took all the names away, and I know that doesn't work for golf necessarily because guys just get hot and cold. But if you took all the names away and you looked at the last three starts for Cameron Champ compared to the rest of these guys in the 6K range, Cameron Champ would be easily like 20% owned. So at 9% ownership for him, I think you get a little bit of a break. And uh, he doesn't have to win this week. He was the same price as he was when he won um, a couple weeks ago. So he's fine. Stuart Sink's been playing really well. I do like Stuart Sink at 6,500. Um, Lucas Glover, I'm going to go back to the well. Lucas Glover, he won the John Deere, came back to the British Open. Um, no reason not to play Lucas Glover at 6,400 there. And then at the bottom range, I don't know if I really have anybody that stood out. Um, like I say, Crack Drafter mentioned KH Lee, so I'll look into that a bit more. I mean, the only comment I would have there, and it's not a stab at, at crack if you're if you're listening to this um, podcast. I mean, the TPC courses, they're not all the same. Like, they're TPC courses because they're of the tournament players, like the network TPC. Like, the PGA Tour owns TPC, the network of golf courses. It doesn't really necessarily mean that the courses are similar. Um, if guys happen to play really well at TPC courses, and it, I don't know if that's really a trend, it, it would seem pe- peculiar to me. Um, like if guys really play well at specific designers courses, like Pete Dye courses, that makes a lot of sense. Cause a lot of them have the same qualities or like a Jack Nicholas course, same qualities, but TPC, I, I don't know if I can buy into the angle. I'll definitely look into KH Lee this week, but the angle of TPC, you know, someone plays well at a bunch of TPC courses. I don't know if, I don't know if there's enough in that for me at least. All right, we are 22 and a half minutes in, and uh, hopefully, I know I kind of ran through that pretty well, but again, you can find those rankings all on fantasygolfbag.com. You can also find them for FanDuel. A lot of them will pretty much align, except for the pricing gets a little bit different, so take that into consideration, like on on FanDuel, Brooks Kepka is higher priced than Colin Morikawa, so I wouldn't play Brooks Kepka on FanDuel necessarily. Um I would probably go down to like a DJ still in play. Um, yeah, Hovland at 10.8. Like, yeah, so you can check the rankings for FanDuel as well if you play both sites. But yeah, the, the pricing does vary. The rankings are pretty close. I mean, obviously, the, I'm not looking at different stuff because of the site. The projections do change. Um, the ownership does change. But my rankings are, are mostly the same except for the pricing dictates which players are more overweight or underweight on all right so let's talk about the olympics a little bit um i think i think the biggest the toughest thing to get over with the olympics and obviously it's the second really the second time we've seen it um the the idea that it's it's such a small field 
and arguably a weak field because they have so many countries that need representation or, or the guys that qualify. Um, I think I counted 35 countries and there was only 59 people in the field. So like this week, if you look at the field, 66 guys. I mean, I don't want to venture to guess how many countries are in there, but I would guess it's single digits. Um, it, it's a, it's just, unfortunately with golf, it's such a, such it's so centralized between America and the UK that the Olympics just seem like, it doesn't seem like a joke. I don't want to say that, but it's just, it, it doesn't do much for like an audience. Like if, if you're, if you're used to just watching the, the British open a couple weeks ago, and then you turn it on and you have the Olympics and obviously the, the best players played really well and they won and they should have, but it's, it's just not the same as if it was a really strong field. So I, I made the comment, it would be cool to mix it up and make it a different format. I think, I think if there was more of a country bias where it wasn't like individual stroke play, it was team events of some kind. It doesn't have to be match play like the Ryder cup, like uh, four ball um, they're playing best ball, you know, two against two. But they could do stroke play. They could do best ball. I, I don't love, and I feel like that gets really slow. But like, honestly, as, as stupid as it sounds, a scramble would be fun to watch. I think if Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas teamed up to play in a scramble, it would be way more fun to watch them play than just watching another stroke play event with, you know, twenty good players and then the rest of them are fillers. No offense to the other fillers. So that that would be my thoughts. I mean, I think most people are are in line with they need to make some changes. I don't know how they make the change. I I would rather see it more more country centric. So um, I don't know. I don't know what the solution would be, but that that's really my biggest issue with the Olympics. Like as a player, I think it's awesome. Like I'm sure Colin Morikawa or not Colin Morikawa. I'm sorry, Xander is very very happy that he won the gold medal and he'll cherish that forever. Just like he, if he won the, uh, the masters, like I, I do think it's a big deal from a player standpoint, but from an audience and from like a fan, uh, if there was more country behind it, um, it would be, I, I just think there would be a little bit more buzz around golf in the Olympics. So that's, that's my two cents. I have no idea. I just think it's a cool opportunity for them to make it a team event, make it two man teams or something. I mean, 35 countries, two-man teams at 70 guys. That's that's not a huge field either. But I just feel like a two-man country, like they're labeled as the country, whatever they're from, is way better than just another stroke play event where Xander Shoffley, Justin Thomas, um, Rory McIlroy, like the big names are going to win most times. And it, it just, to me, it just gets kind of boring. <laughs> it's just another, it's like the hero for Tiger's event. That's basically what I felt like it was. So those are my two cents. Um, again, we're closing right at half an hour. I appreciate everybody tuning into this show. Uh, I'll try to do my best now going forward to get one podcast out a week for the tournament. And then obviously going into the FedEx Cup playoffs, we'll see what happens for the fall. But all my stuff you can find at fantasygolfbag.com. Um, if you have the chance to leave a rating and a review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google for this podcast, I, I really appreciate it. And again, if you see any of my tweets through Fantasy Golf Bag on Twitter, please you know like them, retweet them. That that always helps as we or I try to try to kind of rebuild the the FGB community. So appreciate everybody tuning in. Good luck this week at the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. 
Take care, stay safe, and we will talk to you next week.